Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, Chris, we are live. Welcome inside the Chris and Nick show, everybody. We are just wrapping up day three as we speak. Mr. Irrelevant, I believe, is about to be selected, Chris, but the Giants are done. The Giants have wrapped up this draft after landing Deontay Banks on day one and then coming back and getting John Michael Schmitz and Jalen Hyatt on day two. Absolute grand slam. Not that there aren't warts with some of those players, but still a very solid day. I felt like day three, you traded up so many times earlier to land the guys that you did on the first two days. Three picks that were two in the seventh round, one in the sixth round, and then you had Eric Gray, who I really like. And we'll talk about Oklahoma running back Eric Gray, who initially attended the University of Tennessee. I ended up watching a decent amount of his film just through watching Marvin Mims, and I respected his game. And then I dove into more of his tape, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But the Giants came away with the haul of Eric Gray, and then a top 30 visit in Trey Hawkins III, who is a cornerback out of Old Dominion, good size. I can't wait to get to his film if I can find any. And Jordan <laughs> Riley, yeah, Jordan Riley, an interior defensive lineman out of Oregon, a massive individual, kind of seems and reminds me of DJ Davidson a little bit, different body types though. And then Gervarius Owens, a safety out of Houston, who was just selected about five minutes ago. I looked up some stuff on him, just statistics, but I have not gotten to his film quite yet. Chris, how are you feeling about day three, my friend? You know, I think how I'm feeling will depend on what happens with Eric Gray and Trey Hawkins. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I really appreciate Eric Gray as a player. I think he has a good chance of being a contributor at some level this year. And Trey Hawkins is pretty interesting. The other two, you know, I, I feel like Jordan Riley and, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, Javarius Owens, they, they feel like undrafted free agents that the Giants liked and wanted to make sure they got a hold of. That's what it seemed like to me as well. And at that point of the draft, that's what those deep seventh round picks are like. These aren't guys that Joe Shane's like, oh man, this is plug and play starters. These are developmental type of players. These are the Marcus McKethans. These are the DJ Davidsons. Unfortunately, both of those individuals were hurt last year for the New York Giants. One takeaway I had with Hawkins and with Gervarius Owens, because again, I have not seen much tape on them quite yet. Trust me, once I get a hold of it, we'll watch it and we'll discuss it on the podcast on a later episode. But they both ran sub- seven three cones like pretty damn good three cones with Javarius Owens he ran a six seven five three cone his size is I think like six foot 195 so he's not the biggest safety but still that's an adequate size for a safety then when you look at Hawkins Hawkins is somebody who has a pretty damn large wingspan just under 78 inches over 32 inch arms he's about six foot two 188 pounds another player who had a sub seven three cones so it looks like the giants are really putting a priority on these agile type of defenders which if you watch wink martindale's defense and just football in general it's pretty damn important to have agile defenders out there yeah and javarius hawkins can play coverage you know he was dinged in his scouting reports for dropping some should have been interceptions but he does have eight passes defense which adds a safety defensive back 
that's not bad to go with a pair of forced fumbles, 74 tackles, one tackle for a loss, no sacks. That's fine. Uh, if he plays any defense at all, he'll get a chance to rush the passer. Yeah. I, I feel like these guys, they're, they're kind of lottery tickets for Wake Martindale and his defense where he wanted athletes in the secondary where Javarius Owens maybe be a versatile safety piece. If he makes the team at all, it will be as a special teamer, but let's just not make any mistakes about that. Trey Hawkins, yeah, he's got, I would say man coverage traits. He is and he is an impressive athlete. Yeah, I look, looked up his pro day, 43940, 674-3 cone, a 422 short shuttle, 37 and a half inch vert at 61197. So he's got size, he's got length, he's got athleticism. Those are tools for the coaching staff to work with. So the only scouting report that I'm comfortable giving right now on these players would be Eric Gray. Because I've watched a decent amount of Eric Gray, and I'm sure you have as well, just watching Oklahoma's suspect offense that did not maximize the talents of Marvin Mims, who is now with Sean Payton, and that should be a fun marriage. But I was able to get through some Eric Gray film after the Giants made that selection. And I got to say, man, some of his strengths that I saw, vision and patience. And this is a player who ran a variety of different rushing schemes. They ran a lot of power gap. They ran a lot of zone, stretch zone, inside zone, duo, a lot of counter. And also he operated as the wildcat quarterback essentially not only in the red zone which they had that package but there was a large chunk of the texas game where it was just like hey number zero eric gray you're going to be the quarterback so i liked his vision and his patience and i think he actually threw two passes in that texas game one of them was intercepted so not, not the best situation when it comes to that that's but fine. this guy's that's fine well, that's fine right yeah whatever we're not going to be asking him to throw the ball he's very elusive in the alley, this this is a player who is going to make alley defenders miss. He's a lot quicker than he is fast, because that's one of my dings on him. I feel like he has ankle-breaking type of suddenness, though, too, Chris. And he really leveraged that and used that to make these, again, Big 12 defenders most of the time. But he <laughs> made those Big 12 defenders look like idiots. He made them look silly a lot. Like He has a very, very impressive ability to stick his foot in the ground head fake, and then just juke and explode in the opposite direction. So short area quickness, lateral agility is something that Eric Gray definitely possesses. He runs low. I really think he has quick and efficient and determined feet. And I mean that when he's pressing the line of scrimmage. I mean that when he's getting skinny through gaps inside. Like he's not the biggest guy. He's like five foot nine, a solid girth. You know, he's like 207 pounds, I believe. But he can get really skinny. And when he is employing his spin move in space, this is somebody who had 58 missed tackles forced. This past season, that's pretty solid. I'm now Bijan Robinson at 104, but I think Bijan Robinson had the most missed tackles in the entirety of PFF. Like literally, I don't think there's been a running back who has had that many missed tackles in a single season. David Montgomery, I think, had 99 when he came out of Iowa State. Again, another Big 12 running back. But regardless <laughs> of the fact, I, oh, I also think he is a three down back. He could be. He's a three down potential back. He's not going to be a dominating blocker, but he's smart. I saw him identify blitzes, put himself in the way, and he can lose slow enough as we talk about enough with tight ends. So those are some of my my strengths about his profile, Chris. What were some of the strengths that you saw about Eric Gray? You know, with him, I noticed his vision, his ability to anticipate defenders and then use that elusiveness, use that quick twitch, uh, close quarters athleticism. Like he is a phone booth player. He he does not have pull away speed. He's not going to run away from pretty much anybody. Uh, maybe defensive tackles. He can run away from them. But I think most linebackers can probably run him down or at least keep pace with him. But 
I also really liked what he did as a receiver. He had a pretty good amount of receiving production, and he looked natural doing it. He presented a good target, framed the ball well, and I think if you are looking for, like you say, a three-down running back guy you can bring on to spell Saquon Barkley or Matt Breida on any down, any distance, Eric Gray is a guy who can do that. Now, he is not going to get you explosive plays, maybe out on a wheel route, something like that, he could do it, but... From the backfield, carrying the ball, he's not going to be an explosive running back, but he is a conductor. He will keep the train on schedule. He will keep the train on schedule. I have this written down. What he lacks in breakaway speed, he makes up for with his rushing instincts and his short area quickness. And I think that is a solid way to look at it because in my could improve my weaknesses. If I want to use a euphemism, I'm going to go with could improve, but it is a weakness of his game. He does not have breakaway ability, right? Modest acceleration. And you can see it because you have linebackers in pursuit chasing him down. He doesn't bust any angles of safeties. And that's something that you yeah. want from a lot of your running backs. But it's not a necessity, right? Like You can have a role in an offense, in a committee, as this type of running back, even though he doesn't have that, that long speed. I'd also say he's not a pile mover. I think he does a good job angling his body to to force defenders, try tackle him and arm tackles, right? Like I feel like he's very slippery in that manner. And he can run through those arm tackles. Like his contact balance is solid in that, in that, uh, with that kind of style. But I don't believe he's somebody who is just going to lower his shoulder and just bull over people when it's mano we mano. I am square against you. He doesn't necessarily have that in his profile. He also, like I said a little bit earlier, has kind of a small frame. And I also thought there were times he got a little bit cute behind the line of scrimmage and tried to elongate a run and then just got chased down where he could just, you know, get vertical, get your three yards and then settle for another play instead of getting, you know, no yards and getting tackled at the line of scrimmage. I didn't think it was a huge problem within his game, but it was something that I, that I saw in a couple instances throughout the big 12 tape I watched. Yeah. And that's understandable. Sometimes guys get greedy. They think they've got juice they don't have, or yeah, just, just, it's a football player. I can make the play. And, you know, sometimes you just can't, you know, I, I do like the Eric Gray pick. There were a few running backs on the board when the giants were picking there where I, I thought they could go a different directions, get Evan Hall or uh, Christian Rodriguez out of, out of uh, Kentucky. Yeah. Eric Gray was also on my radar as well. I feel like the Giants probably went with Eric Gray because of his upside as a receiver. Now, he is a guy I think they could put on the field in their pony package and still have that receiving threat of a third or fourth receiver while having only two receivers on the field and maybe forcing the defense into a base package. Joe Shane was probably key and peel meme sweating when it came down to either <laughs> Eric Gray or Evan Hall, just because you know he loved the fact that Evan Hall oh, yes. at the combine was taking it to the distance every single time. It didn't matter. But according to a lot of people, Mr. like I was, reading, I was reading like scouting reports on Eric Gray after I got done watching my film because there's a lot of insight from people around the league. And they say the coaches really just revered. Eric Gray and spoke about his work ethic and his character and the fact that he played through several injuries this past season. And you know, that's going to appeal to really any coaching staff, but specifically the lions and the New York giants, you know, smart, tough, and dependable. That's the New York giants <laughs> mantra. The lions, they like to eat a bunch of freaking kneecaps and everything like that, but you know, that's going to appeal to Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, overall, I think the Giants had themselves one hell of a draft. Yeah, you know, today it was boring. It took them three hours and twenty minutes 
to make their first pick. Uh, there were points, especially in the fourth round and earlier on in the fifth round, where I was like, you know, I kind of wish they didn't make those trades up because there were guys I liked coming off the board right around when the Giants would pick. It's like, ooh, that guy could mm-hmm. that guy could have helped. He could he could have made this team better at the very least, improve the depth. But overall, I really feel like the Giants made themselves better and gave themselves a couple lottery tickets. Now, there are areas of the team I wish they had addressed. I wished they had gotten a 1C edge defender. I wish they had been able to get a linebacker who could be on the field and contributing right away. And I really wish they could have gotten a safety who would really, I would say, kind of take Julian Love's place. Not Nothing is Bobby McCain, but th- there's a step down there. There is a step down there. Maybe Javarius Owens can be that player. I know it's in the seventh round, but another reason we're going to more than likely have another episode in the coming days, our Monday show, if you will, <laughs> Giants are bringing in UDFAs right now. Like phone calls Absolutely. are being made. So the draft has happened. The Giants got their players, but they're not done. And remember last year, the Giants added, I felt like a couple really solid free agents, priority free agents right after the draft, Trenton Thompson, the safety out of San Diego State, who's still on their practice squad. I felt like he had good tape, and he's a good special teams player. And also, Timon Fox, who actually had a really solid role with the Giants as a run-defending yes, person who they like to put on the sidelines right before halftime. And if you run a route towards the sidelines, he's going to take your head off, which he did twice <laughs> last year. So I also really believe in this front office's ability to identify and locate talent. So now, maybe they can go out and get some of these players that are UDFAs, bring them into their program and really find lightning in a bottle, as they say. And one player that is still around that Chris and I have both mentioned is Ivan Pace. And I'm sure his phone is probably ringing off the hooks right now. I know he's a diminutive, smaller individual, but what he offers fits well with what Wing Martindale wants. So I would not be shocked the Giants are trying to bring him in. And let's not forget how the UDFA process works too, Chris. You have a certain amount of money allocated to that process, and you don't have to give every single player the same amount of money. If you really value somebody, you can go and be like, hey, I want to give you a $100,000 bonus, right? I want to give you an $85,000 bonus. Come on to our team, whereas other teams might not be giving them that. So these UDFAs, they have options, whereas if you're a draft pick, you're going to that team and you're getting paid this. You can get paid more as a UDFA than a draft pick. Yeah, and you also get to choose your fit. You know, a lot of times be going as an undrafted free agent is better for a prospect than being a sixth or seventh round draft pick because, like you said, you get more money and also you get to pick your situation. You can look at a team and say, okay, say you're, uh, oh, yeah, Lonnie Phelps out of Kansas. He is a pretty good edge defender. He's got some juice to him. Yeah, maybe not yeah. the bendiest guy in the world, but like he he has the ability to affect an offense. He could look at the Giants and say, "Okay, you've got Kayvon, you've got Aziz, but then behind them you've got Jihad Warden Tamon Fox. You know what? I've got a decent shot at, at seeing the field there. I'll go to New York." Or Ivan Pace, they've got Bobby Okereke and Darren Beavers. <laughs> I, I like Darren. Well. Yeah, Mike, yes. Micah McFadden. I actually, and I, I want to get your opinion on this. We don't have to talk too much about it. 
I think I'm higher on Darian Beavers off of the little bit that we saw just in training camp and a preseason and a half of a game than I am on Michael McFadden right now, who got benched twice last season against the Packers and then for Gerard Davis, who the Giants also brought back, which we should keep in mind. We should, yes. Yeah, the, uh, that I think is fair. I think they play, they'll play different roles within the defense. Yeah. Uh, Darian Beavers, I think, is much more of the Mike linebacker. Um, Mike McFadden, Will linebacker, maybe a third down blitzer, definitely special teams player. Uh, that, I think, will shake itself out over the course of – the offseason program and training camp, maybe McFadden having the experience of being on the field will help him improve. And, maybe. you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what a bigger sample size reveals about Darian Beavers. I'll say this too, Chris. Let's not forget Darian Beavers was an edge rusher at UConn before he transferred to Cincinnati, and Very Cincinnati true. used him as an edge rusher. I think he had four sacks, and I think like two of them were against Notre Dame in 2021 as an edge rusher for Cincinnati in that package. And after this draft, looking at who the Giants selected, there might be some snaps up there for edge. So I wouldn't even be surprised if Darian Beavers comes back healthy, if they employ him and his skill set as an edge rusher. Yeah, that that absolutely could happen. And there is still potentially snaps available. It's been a long day. Words are hard for maybe an, an Ellerson Smith, if he could stay healthy for five minutes, that, that would be nice to see. And of course we do have Andre Carter has been brought up in the comments. Yeah. Mark Thompson. Are, thank you. Yeah. There are a lot, there are still guys out there. Like you said, this process is not done yet. We've got scouts, coaches, front office guys. You know, we, we know Joe Shane was out on the road scouting during the season they can all be calling prospects, talking to them, leveraging the connections they built over the course of the year and the course of the draft process to recruit these guys. There are several players who are still around that I think are talented, and I think there could be a developmental role for them to potentially grow into an NFL player, like Emil Ekior out of Alabama. He's still around. Like Someone brought up Andre Carter. In the, in the Mark Thompson brought up Andre Carter. Dude, Andre Carter was being mocked in like the first round not long ago. He didn't get drafted. This is the edge out of an army. Like it's kind of crazy when you think about that, right? Like the hype about Andre yeah. Carter not long ago was was really really high, if I remember correctly, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of players here, linebackers too, and I think the Giants, like we said, Ivan Pace, Jeremy Banks is still around, Cam Jones. There's there's a decent amount of talent, Rashawn Wright at, at a cornerback. So we'll have to wait and see what the New York Giants do at undrafted free agency. But that's usually a mad scramble, and there's a it takes a couple <laughs> days to sort out what actually happened. But uh, I'm excited for it, bro. Yes, I, as am I. In some ways, I am more excited about undrafted free agency than the last round or two of the draft, just because the Giants have a really good history of finding gems in undrafted free agency. You got Rich Cyber, you got obviously uh, Victor Cruz, uh, Mark Herzlick, Spencer Paysinger, um, Henry Hynoski. Even Nick Gates all signed with the Giants as undrafted free agents and played pretty big roles for the team. So, like I said, it's not over yet. They can still find good players who can help the team this year. Chris, do you have anything else on day three? Again, I know Chris and I didn't speak a lot about the picks that we have not watched yet, but we're going to get to the tape and we will report back on that. Yeah, no, I just right now want to get to the tape. Actually, I want to get to my pizza first. Then get to the tape. 
pizza. There you go, Chris. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning into the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment, too, and a five-star review. That would be great. And also head on over to BigBlueView.com, where we will have all of our written content extensively covering the New York football giants and all these draft selections. Thank you, everyone, and have a lovely night.